As we've noted in previous lectures, Van Til followed John Calvin when he affirmed that autothean Trinitarian persons, that is, persons who have their essence from themselves, do not change in the eternal processional relations, subsistence or coherence, or the missional relations outside of the Godhead, creation, covenantal condescension, or incarnation. In fact, as we've just seen when we thought about Van Til's doctrine of revelation, Trinitarian persons enter into space without becoming spatial. They enter into time without becoming temporal, and anthropomorphic language depicts that revelation, that activity, in the categories borrowed from the mutable creature. But Van Til also followed Calvin when it comes to the natural revelation of God and the natural knowledge of God that was given to Adam as he was created in the image and likeness of God. And we're going to move now as we look at this creator-creature relation. We've talked about revelation from the divine side fairly extensively. We're going to now talk about revelation and this line to the left here. If you're viewing this, um, this line I'm accenting right here, this is a line that is going to represent the work of special creation of Adam. Now, this line over here we're going to deal with in our next module. This is an act of special providence that we call covenant or covenantal uh, condescension. And um, we're going to suspend talking about the act of covenantal condescension and talk first about the work of special creation, but I need to say this up front and make something explicit. That is only a pedagogical distinction. Why do I say that? Well, to preview the substance of the next two lectures, the work of creation and special creation where Adam is created as the image of God, the image and likeness of God, and the act of, of voluntary condescension by which God enters into covenant with him, the relation between the work of creation and the act of special providence is that they are distinct from one another, yet inseparable from one another and simultaneous to one another. So to talk about the work of creation and the act of special providence in isolation from one another is something of an abstraction, but we're doing it in order to attain clarity on the work of special creation when Adam is formed in the image of God, and what is the natural knowledge that he possessed as a creature. And then in the next lecture, we'll talk about how God addresses him instantly upon creation by a covenantal word. But as we move now toward Van Til on the natural knowledge of God, and we're looking here at the work of special creation of Adam. He has a seminal essay that has been, to my mind, strangely and almost universally neglected by his critics, especially, entitled Nature 
and Scripture. And that appears in the symposium from the Westminster faculty in the 40s, uh, The Infallible Word. And you can also find a summary of that essay and a bit of an expansion of it in chapter two of his Christian Apologetics, which I'll make reference to later. But now in that um, presentation, Van Til writes as follows, page 255. He says, it is well known that Reformed theology has a distinctive doctrine of Scripture. Let me pause and just comment on that. He's saying that primarily in opposition to modernist, Schleiermachian, and Bardian views of Scripture. For the Schleiermachian, Scripture is the record of religious feeling put forth in speech. That's what the Scripture is. It's a compendium of affection for God, a feeling of dependence. For Bart, the Scripture is a fallible and errant witness to the supernal event of Jesus Christ in a time dimension called Geschichte. What unites Schleiermacher and Bart's doctrine of Scripture is that it is not a God-breathed, inerrant word. It is either the setting forth of feeling, characterized by error, or the giving of a witness, characterized by error. But the Reformed have a unique doctrine of Scripture. Warfield probably still has the best exposition of it in inspiration and authority of Scripture. So Van Til says, it's well known that Reformed confessional theology has a distinctive doctrine of Scripture. But here's what he says, and this is key. And Scripture, by the way, would fall over here. Scripture is necessary given Adam's breaking of the covenant of works. So Scripture is going to fall in the side of an act of special providence where God speaks inerrantly and infallibly to his uh, creatures. So, so for, for if you want to categorize Van Til's work, nature over here, creation, natural knowledge, natural revelation. Scripture is necessary after Adam's fall into sin. Scripture becomes necessary given the fall. So it's on the side of special providence and covenant. Nature and Scripture are Van Til's explication of these two lines in the creator-creature relation. Now, he says, it's well known that Reformed theology has a distinctive doctrine of Scripture. It is our purpose in this chapter to show that for this reason, it has an equally distinctive doctrine of natural revelation. Now that sentence on page 255, in my estimate, and I'm trying very hard not to overstate or be rhetorical, is universally neglected or misunderstood by his critics. And so we're going to spend a long time in this module giving attention to the distinctive doctrine of special revelation and the distinctive doctrine of natural or general revelation. So Van Til's not only affirming a reality of natural revelation, some of his critics claim he denies it like Bart. Nothing can be further from the truth. I'll show that later in this lecture. But he wants not only to affirm a doctrine of natural revelation, but is distinctively reformed, confessional, and in back of that, Calvinistic doctrine of natural revelation 
and natural knowledge of God. Now, before we get into the teaching of the confession, which we'll do when we talk about covenant, we need first to talk about the influence of some of the seminal insights of John Calvin on Van Til's doctrine of the natural knowledge of God. Van Til is especially and uniquely indebted to the work of John Calvin as Calvin's theology of nature and natural knowledge was received at Old Princeton by B.B. Warfield. Stated in summary terms, Van Til taught that the natural knowledge of God, this natural knowledge of God, was con-created in Adam as the image of God. Natural knowledge of God was concreated in Adam along with original righteousness and holiness. This is the substance of the natural image of God. The Reformed affirm the gifting of true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness as the image of God. It's enshrined in the shorter and the larger catechism. The original gifts of righteousness, holiness, and knowledge supply the internal basis for Adam's creation in natural religious fellowship with God, what Voss would call the deeper Protestant conception. And so we're going to develop this point. I, I gave it to you just by way of summary. But let us treat Calvin, and I'll show you how Van Til cites him uh, almost ubiquitously when he's talking about natural knowledge of God. Calvin uh, says in his Institutes this. He says that in order for us to come to a true knowledge of ourselves, we must first grasp that Adam, parent of us all, was created in the image and likeness of God. That is, he was endowed with wisdom, righteousness, and holiness, and was so clinging to these gifts of grace to God that he could have lived forever in him if he stood fast in the uprightness God had given him. That's page 15 of the Institutes of Christian Religion, uh, book one. Now, Calvin here construes Adam's righteousness and holiness as concreated and natural. So if Adam is the image of God, uh, we're going to start this way. He was created with true knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Calvin also calls it wisdom when he's talking about knowledge. Now we're going to bracket knowledge and not talk about it right now, but Uh, We're going to focus instead just on the fact that there was original righteousness and holiness concreated in Adam. Now, let me define that term concreated because it might not be a term we use often, although we should as Reformed. By the term concreated with reference to righteousness and holiness, it means that righteousness and holiness were present in Adam at the moment he was created. Righteousness and holiness 
were gifted by God to Adam along with or in his creation. They weren't super added or infused in him from without. They came along with his special creation. Concreated means given instantaneously in the work of creation itself and never apart from it or in addition to it. Righteousness and holiness, Calvin argues, were gifted to Adam, native to Adam, natural to Adam, original to Adam, as created. You're not given by additional infused grace, but in the work of special creation itself. Now, Calvin is saying this in self-conscious polemic against Bellarmine, Robert Bellarmine, and the so-called Counter-Reformation that was at work of the time of the Reformation and led to the Council of Trent. And he elaborates this reformed, well, we could call it this, this Reformation view that comes to be the reformed view in distinction from the Lutheran and Roman Catholic view. He says this, now God, I'm going to read a, a series of quotes here, God's image is the perfect excellence of human nature which shone in Adam before his defection. And so this righteousness and holiness Calvin amplifies as perfect excellence. And he says, and boy does Gerhardus Voss, Meredith Klein and others follow him, so does Van Til here. He says, to know what we were like when we were first created, and what our condition became after the fall of Adam is of utmost importance. See, Calvin, as a precursor to Voss, Klein, Gaffin, Van Til, and others, is insisting that we get clear on the condition of Adam as the image of God before the fall. And he's saying righteousness and holiness were concreated, given in the work of creation. And he insists, contrary to the Roman Catholic doctrine of concupiscence, which I've defined in a previous module and will elaborate on here, quote, if any defect were proved to inhere in nature, requiring the donum superadditum, this would bring reproach upon God. Seminal insights. This is the, this, these are the building blocks of a developing Reformed doctrine of the image of God in contradistinction from both the Lutheran and the Roman Catholic view. This is the embryonic expression of what Voss will call the deeper Protestant conception in RD 2, 15, uh, 13 through 15. Now, note that Calvin speaks of original, and please understand this, of original righteousness and holiness being incompatible with a defect of nature. The defect of nature is the traditional Roman Catholic view. And he is thinking especially of Robert Bellarmine, whom my professor at Westminster, California, Robert Strempel, lectured on extensively in his class, The Image of God. And you have to understand this as we begin to talk about human nature as the image of God, natural revelation, and the nature of knowledge given 
to the creature prior to the fall. Calvin is making a direct reference in the quote I just read to Bellarmine and the theology that would come in the Council of Trent. Listen to what Bellarmine says in contrast to Calvin. Man naturally consists of flesh and bones. He therefore has community of nature partly with the beasts and partly with the angels. By reason of the body, he has sensual desires and appetites. By reason of the soul, he has propensity to spiritual good. But between these two propensities, there exists a certain battle. And from that inherent battle, there arises a difficulty in doing good. Do you hear the difference? Calvin says this is moral excellence. Man is created with inbuilt righteousness and holiness, gifted naturally, with no defect of nature. And Bellarmine, contra Calvin, contra the Reformed doctrine of the image, says there is an intrinsic battle that makes doing good before the fall difficult. Robert Strimple, in his class on the image of God at Westminster, California, uh, the class I took uh, with him, many years ago, back in 1995. The first objection to this view is that the Roman Catholic position presents a degrading view of man's original state as created. Bellarmine spoke, Strimple cites, of a disease or languor in man's natural state that needed a remedy. And I'm not going to get into the details of the Roman Catholic view. There's a time for that in a different course, and I've surveyed it in a previous module for the Reformed Academy on Van Til. But contrary to traditional Roman Catholic theology that asserts a defective, created nature in need of supplemental grace, ontologically reproportioning, ethically refurbishing grace, Calvin insisted that righteousness and holiness are original to Adam's constitution before the fall. It was not difficult to do good. It was not difficult to be righteous. It was not difficult to be holy because Adam was walking in the righteousness and virtues, the righteousness and holiness, the virtues created in him, natural to him, gifted to him in fellowship with God. He didn't need an ethical supplement. He didn't need infused righteousness to assist him. He didn't need infused holiness to assist him to resist the conflict in him. Now, Van Til follows Calvin on this critical point. Bellarmine denies, Calvin affirms, concreated, inbuilt, gifted righteousness and holiness. And then Till says the bearing of all this on the question of starting point may be briefly suggested. In the question of starting point, it's all important we have a truly Christian doctrine of man, but Rome doesn't have. With this, without going into details, it may be asserted that Rome has a defective doctrine with respect to the nature of man as he was created and with respect to the entrance of sin upon the nature of man. And he quotes Charles Hodge, who notes this. And this here is a terse summary of the difference between Calvin and Bellarmine 
that Van Til cites in order to clue us in that all right at the beginning, we've got a different conception of human nature and what is natural to man. And uh, for those of you who are watching this course, please highlight this. Uh, after you've listened to this section of the lecture, please spend some time reflecting on what I'm saying. There are different and incompatible conceptions of nature, the natural, the image of God. There are differing and incompatible doctrines of the image when it comes to Calvin and the Reformation and Bellarmine and the Roman Catholic Counter-Reformation with Thomas Aquinas behind Bellarmine and Rome. It's an antithesis. It's an incompatible conception of nature that leads to different conceptions of grace and different conceptions of sin. And I want to say this for those of you who are listening, this deserves all the emphasis you can give it. You must master this and understand it clearly. So much depends on this. Listen to Van Til citing Hodge, elaborating on this difference that I've just noted from Calvin. The important point of difference, says Charles Hodge, is that Protestants hold that original righteousness, so far as it consisted in the moral excellence of Adam, was natural, while the Romanists maintain it was supernatural. According to their theory, God created man, soul, and body. These two constituents of his nature are naturally in conflict to preserve the harmony between them and the due subjection of the flesh to the spirit. God gave man the supernatural gift of original righteousness. So see, in the Bellarmine, Roman Catholic view, righteousness is supernatural, given above and beyond the image endowment. It's infused. And it was this gift that man lost by the fall. So that since the apostasy, he is in the state in which Adam was before he was invested with the supernatural endowment. Now, let me pause and just explain that very briefly. For the Roman Catholic view, all that is lost in the fall, what is lost essentially in the fall, is a supernatural gift of righteousness that was designed to keep the conflict in Adam from resulting in self-conscious sin and a violation of God's law. The fall does not enslave human nature to sin. The fall makes the supernatural gift fall away so that those who are fallen are like Adam before God gave him supernatural grace and infused righteousness. Hodge goes on, in opposition to this doctrine, Protestants maintain that Original righteousness was concreated and natural. The objections to this view, as Hodge enumerates them, Ventil says, are that it supposes a degrading view of the original constitution of our nature, and it leads to a semi-Pelagian doctrine of sin. That's the summary. Why? Because sin doesn't totally corrupt totally enslave human nature, you simply lose supernatural gifts. So it makes too low a view of human nature as created and too high a view of human nature as fallen. 
brothers and sisters, those who are listening to this course, that is a non-negotiable difference between traditional Roman Catholic theology and traditional Reformed Calvinism. Now, I do want to say this as an aside. Van Til and Hodge are not treating post-Vatican II developments in the theologies of Rahner and von Balthasar and uh, others. If you want material on those resources, as a brief aside, this is an excursus, consult Dr. Busey's book on Rahner, that's published with PNR. Consult Dr. Strimple's lectures on the history of Roman Catholic theology after Vatican II in the modern period. Consult uh, Danny Olinger's wonderful essay in the 75th uh, edition, uh, centennial, uh, the 75th anniversary of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, uh, Confident of Better Things. And um, I think you can also look into Van Til's Confession of 1967 for that. But Van Til was not predominantly concerned to address this newer post-Vatican II view of Catholicism. He was addressing the Thomism that underwrote Bellarmine's formulations that made their way into the Council of Trent. He is critiquing, along with Hodge, along with Voss, traditional Roman Catholic theology of whom Thomas Aquinas is the chief architect. And so Calvin, Hodge, and Ventil quite clearly present the image of God consisting in concreated righteousness and holiness in stark contrast to the traditional Roman Catholic view taught early by um, Aquinas, later by Bellarmine, and enshrined in the Council of Trent. Now, that is some of the background, some introductory material to help us appreciate the fundamental difference when it comes to a re Reformed and Roman Catholic theology of nature and the natural image of God relative to righteousness and holiness. For the Reformed, Adam, by nature, possessed righteousness and holiness in fellowship with God. For Rome, traditional Roman Catholic theology, Adam by nature did not possess original righteousness or holiness, and he needed the ontological and ethical supplement of the donum superadditum to keep him from sinning and to assist him in doing good, which was hard for him by nature. That is an antithesis. That is a fundamentally incompatible view of nature. Here's a mini-thesis of this module. As goes the difference with the natural image of God and concreated righteousness and holiness, so goes the difference with the natural knowledge of God. And Calvin is not only one who taught that righteousness and holiness were concreated and characterized the image of God, he also taught that Knowledge, the knowledge of God, was concreated in Adam as the image of God. So it is not only the case that righteousness and holiness are original to Adam as they are concreated, it is also the case that the knowledge of God is original to Adam in the sense that it is concreated. 
to use traditional Reformed terminology, righteousness, holiness, and knowledge of God are given to Adam in the very event of his creation in the image and likeness of God. And Calvin calls this original knowledge, this knowledge implanted in Adam, this knowledge gifted to Adam, this knowledge that coincides with the primal or first operation of his consciousness, he calls it the inbuilt, concreated sensus divinitatis, the sense of deity, which is at the same time a semen religionis, the seed of religion that is sown within him. Calvin calls this doctrine what it is to communicate its content. And so we, we could say something along these lines as we're just putting this in contrast to uh, the Roman Catholic view. According to the Roman Catholic view, when Adam is formed in the image of God, he is formed, listen, adrift from God. He has concupiscence. There's that ba inherent battle Bellarmine speaks of. It makes it difficult for Adam to do good. By nature, he is adrift from God. He doesn't seek God. He doesn't have original righteousness. He doesn't have original holiness. He is created adrift from God. But contrary to that, on the Reformed doctrine of the natural image of God, without any superadded grace, Adam is created, inclined toward God in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. And in these three distinct but inseparable features of the image, he is created as a natural worshiper of God in natural religious fellowship with God, free from all sin and sinful propensions. That is the Reformed view. And I'm going to say it again. I may say it a few more times. But this point deserves all of the emphasis that we can give it. God created Adam with a native and natural knowledge of himself, a native and natural righteousness, a native and natural holiness that made him by nature a sinless worshiper of God in natural fellowship with God. And when we recognize that, we recognize that growing out of these divergent conceptions of the image of God will be what Van Til says are divergent conceptions of natural revelation and divergent conceptions of the natural knowledge of God. Concreated and gifted, or gifted in creation, according to the Reformed, added to a defective creation by infused grace, according to Rome. And from this, we're going to see a, a fundamental difference that emerges between Calvin on the one side and Aquinas and the Roman Catholic tradition traditionally understood on the other side as we continue to examine the natural knowledge of God in its distinctive expression to which Van Til makes reference.